0: A national network TV correspondent with a midlife crisis? Well, you better believe it, and you know his name, too. He covered the Iraq War as an embedded reporter for CBS News and previously served as chief White House correspondent. His first book in the long run, Awesome Read, an inspiring memoir about the New York City Marathon. We're going to talk about it with Jim Axelrod. Hi, Jim. How are you?
1: Good morning. Good to hear your voices.
0: Great to make, for you to make time out to talk with us a little bit, because despite having an exciting and glamorous job, you've written that you looked up from the middle of the 2008 campaign trail, and you didn't like what you saw. You found yourself, what, drinking too much, sleeping too little, and a uh, little overweight?
1: Yeah, you know, You know that sometimes the mirror can be a very dangerous place, especially <laughs> if you're looking at it with uh, anything approaching 2020 vision. So there I was in the middle of the uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign and, you know, sort of a dream job situation, and I happened to look at my mirror, the literal and figurative ones, and not, like, not, not enjoying at all uh, the, the image that was coming back to me. Uh, for me, I was so focused, so narrowly focused on, uh, I, I, I guess, a, a definition – Um, of success that hadn't been uh, terribly well thought out that I found myself sort of, uh, I guess, in need, bad need of a mid-course correction.
2: Hmm. You know, many people, Jim, would and do describe the place where you were as a midlife crisis. We have learned that, in fact, it's midlife opportunity, and in many cases, people like you use it to springboard themselves into something far better, uh, a far better place than they were. And for you, uh, you really decided literally to run your way out of it.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, that it is an opportunity, uh, but only if you're going to grab it. And, and that requires, obviously, before you do anything else, uh, a very clear-eyed appraisal of where you find yourself and what seems to be lacking. I think, you know, and I'm not alone, obviously, you get 20, 25 years into a life, and there's a gap between the life that you sort of intended to live And the life that you're actually living. And in that gap, guys, resides the great potential for unhappiness.
0: See, this is interesting, too, Jim, to to get into for just a minute, because you didn't voluntarily head down that road. The nature of your job took you there. And that happens to a lot of people. I mean, your whole world is about what you're going to do tomorrow, not what you did today. So you can never relax. There's constant pressure to, to, to excel again and again and again.
1: Right, but that's also a passive way to sort of live your life, to just say, hey, I kind of found myself in a bad situation. I mean, the responsible thing to do is to understand that you're directing your life and you're making choices every day in terms of where you end up. And whether you want to admit that or be aware of that or not, that's still the fact of the matter, that at the end of the day, wherever you end up is because you took specific steps to get there. In my case, what I, the knot that I had to untangle was what was propelling me with such blinders uh, forward without asking any questions. And you know, everybody has their own sort of specific story about why they are where they are. For me, I had to untangle the relationship with my father, which was complicated because he'd been dead for eight years. Hmm. He was a great runner. And I found myself, uh, which you can sort of read about in this book in the long run, Suddenly, aware of his times as a as a New York marathon runner thirty years before, and you know uh, again, as you pointed out, I was so fat i couldn 't run around the block. but as soon as I sort of became in possession of his times, my instinctive reflexive response was, "Well, I can beat those, and a sort of light went on as to i I was measuring my own life and my own career using somebody else 's yardstick in, in this case, the yardstick of my terrifically uh, charismatic and uh, using quote mark successful father because he was successful in very many ways but he wasn't a guy who spent a terribly uh, uh, large amount of time uh, thinking about his own happiness so there was a lot in there and I had to sort of untangle it for me I I did that on the road I did that running I did that on that sort of reliable piece of pavement that I would get up and and, uh, head down every day.
2: Man, this story has just gotten a lot heavier, Jim, with, with all of this stuff. We're speaking with Jim Axelrod, big-time network uh, news correspondent who, who uh, uh, reached a point in his life where he just wasn't happy and had really a classic midlife crisis, and as he started to deal with these issues, he began to run. And I guess, Jim, the, the good news for you is, is, is that as you ran, you were able to, as you say, untangle all this stuff with your father, but at the same time, uh, you were losing the, the, the 30 pounds and getting yeah. fit.
1: Yeah, there are, you know, sort of finding that that sustained well-being is is a multi-layered process obviously. I mean, my sense is you can't really do it unless you are feeling good physically. And so, look, every morning you can get your yourself out of bed. You've got a binary choice, either put the shoes on and go for a run or don't. If you put the shoes on, you're going to feel better. So like some of that stuff's pretty basic and simple. Other stuff is uh, again a lot more complex and we all have our baggage and our stories and our history and we all need to find ways, some place that's reliable and dependable, where you can actually sort of get into that and do some untangling. For me, it was the five, then ten, then fifteen miles of road uh, that you, that are again a sort of a very reliable space for me. If you can't get it all figured out, you know, in a two-hour run, uh, you know, maybe you're not going to get it figured out. At least that's. That was sort of my sense of it. So it became a very good place for me to just kind of put things in uh, some simpler relief.
0: You know, Jim, there isn't a soul listening to this interview that doesn't completely agree with you, yet it gets so difficult and the part where we get hung up is we'll wake up in the morning, we'll know we got to make the run, and we'll go, well, maybe tomorrow and roll over and go back to bed. How do you break through that initial resistance?
1: Well, I think you know. Look, for me, part of it is you know you get into your late 40s, uh, early 50s. I think this is when it hits a lot of people. Some of it may be biology, but I also think people are doing the math, right? So you look up and you're like, geez, uh, even if I'm healthy, I'm looking at, at more yesterdays than tomorrows. You know, I I may have sort of 30 years, and and that's the great motivator. I think that both makes people crash and also gives them the incentive to sort of put Humpty Dumpty back together again because you want to have the highest quality. Uh, whatever your time remaining is, you want to have it as, to be as high a quality as possible. So for me, how do you get your backside out of bed? I think you know you, you, you kind of have to crash. You kind of have to be low enough that you know and, and understand how sort of complicated the process is. And then as I say, to me, it's finding something simple something dependable, something reliable, because it can't be that calculus at 5.30 in the morning. It can't be terribly complex, or you're going to roll over. Mm-hmm. So, again, for me, it's just putting a pair of shoes on. That's not the trickiest thing in the world. Getting outside, breaking the sweat, if you are coming from a place of despair and you find something that is a guaranteed elevator, I'm not sure it becomes too terribly tricky after that, because it's, 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 it's like the healthiest... The healthiest pill you can pop is tying your shoes and just getting out on the street.
2: You know, very inspiring stuff from Jim Axelrod in his new book, In the Long Run. And and Jim, honestly, we talk to a lot of people on this program who reach a point in their lives like you did. They start to question everything about their lives almost Always, they change their lives. When you talk to them, uh, th- they've got a new job, but yet you're still doing the same thing that you were doing, obviously, in a different way. You look different in the mirror. W- was there ever an issue that maybe being a network newsman was not the thing for you?
1: Oh, I think everything should be up for examination. I mean, if, you, if you're dealing with
0: unhappiness,
1: then you've got to pull that lens out. The only, the only thing that's going to help you in a situation of despair or unhappiness or midlife malaise is a really good functioning magnifying glass you need to look 2020 if not better at yourself and make as i call it a clear-eyed app- appraisal at sort of all the moving parts of your life and so you know deluding yourself helps nobody You know, and and you sort of have to live this, this transparent existence. That's your only hope. So was being a network correspondent on the table? Absolutely. I would have been committing malpractice with my life if it hadn't been. But, look, I love telling stories. I love reporting. I love working for CBS News. That wasn't the issue. Those weren't the component parts of what was creating some unhappiness for me. Um, and what was creating unhappiness, that was where I could kind of work that out and untangle that knot uh, and still maintain that part of my life that I had spent you know, many years building. That's not always the case for other people. And let me make an even more important point than that. I haven't sort of divined some magic formula where I write, um, write this book and I go skipping off to the sunset as the man with a permanently sustained sense of well-being. It doesn't work like that. You know, like my daughter has said to me at times since the book's been out, and she's 15 and and very sharp, and has said to me, seeing me come in after a tough day, maybe grumbling, maybe not the sweetest guy in the world, and said, hey, you know what, Dad, i got a book for you to read. (laughs) So it's not like it's, you know, you stay, you uncover the formula and stay permanently happy forever. Life's a struggle. I mean, life's a struggle. Let's be honest.
0: And that's a great point, Jim. So in your case, what is next? Where do you go from here? Another book, another career, another war?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I definitely do. I go for another run. That's for wow. sure. Um, I, I, the, the probably takeaway lesson for me is in this terribly complex endeavor of trying to scratch out sustained well-being, your best friend in the process is something dependable and reliable. For me, I know tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm going for a run. Because you know what? I'm going to feel better. And let's start there in terms of trying to get the most out of each day.
2: Jim, it has been a delightful conversation. We've been speaking with Jim Axelrod, folks, a CBS uh, news correspondent, the author of a new memoir called In the Long Run. He examines where we are, who we are, and how we want to get to where we're going. Jim, thanks so much. Good luck with uh, the book, and we'd love to get you back on sometime soon.